0: Ladies and gentlemen, American public schools were doing wonderfully well in the early 1900s. We had almost universal literacy. I read that if an American student could not read in 1920, that was because the family lived up in the mountains where most children never saw a school. Then everything started to go downhill. In 1955, A scholar wrote a book based on the premise that Johnny and Mary don't know how to read. How could this happen? There was the gigantic saga of World War I which changed everything for many people. And then there was the Russian Revolution of 1917, but it wasn't successfully consolidated until 1920. That's when Lenin, with a small army of maniacal Bolsheviks, subjugated a vast country twice twice as wide as the U.S. Now consider the pride and exhilaration this little gang of bandits must have felt when they owned Russia. They probably thought they were invincible, and so they started to plot internationally. This global effort was known as the Communist International, or Comintern, Now recall Marx and his predictions that capitalism, with its internal contradictions, would be replaced by communism. It was only logical to Lenin and his true believers that they were on a roll, and 1920 was just the beginning. So during the roaring 1920s, when the great Gatsby and ordinary Americans were celebrating peace and prosperity, the commies were infiltrating their people into the news media, universities, and foundations. One by one the Comintern drove out the people that might try to get in the way, or a great deal uh, or a great percentage of them. So the story had its climax in nineteen thirty one when the education establishment told the American public that phonics was no longer a good idea. In the future children would learn in the best way, according to the communists, which was sight words. All the top experts announced that the alphabet was useless. So this move against the public school system was like American forces coming ashore at Normandy. A beachhead was established. Almost overnight, communism was in every classroom, whether subtle or not so subtle. Mainly, the common turn controlled reading, the one essential skill in all of education. Rudolf Flesch wrote his famous book 20 years later, Why Johnny Can't Read. Chapter 1 included quotes from about a dozen of the top people as they kept repeating the same untruth. Phonics is useless, and the alphabet is useless, and that's that. Now, chapter 1 of this famous book is a time capsule. Really invaluable because it shows you that in the early 1950s, All the top people were clones. They were hacks. The university as a place to debate ideas was already dead. For these guys, the only goal was squelching all opposition. Here's what the hacks were saying around 1950. Now these are all in quotes. Current practice in the teaching of reading does not require a knowledge of the letters, says Dr. Darrell. Quote, the skillful teacher will be reluctant to use any phonetic method with, with, with all children, says Dr. Paul Witte. Dr. Roma Gans tells it simply quote, In recent years, phonetic analysis of words at any level of the reading program fell into disrepute. Qu- close quote. The next one here is by a pair of, called Anderson and Dearborn who announced that little is gained by teaching the child sounds and letters as a first step to reading, more rapid results are generally obtained by the direct method of simply showing the word to the child and telling him what it is. Now, right there, there is an absurd implication that now the child will remember that word, but in fact, it doesn't work that way. Now, all of these quotes, basically clones of each other, are historically very important because now the education establishment in America was going to mess with coming coming generations. Students this year will be the adults 10 or 20 years from now and they will be crippled by using the method that all these people pushed. This whole thing is thicker than you can imagine because Dr. Samuel Orton, a famous neurologist, concluded the sight words don't work at all, and worse than that, they would cripple children in the future with symptoms such as what we now call dyslexia. This was a famous study conducted in the late 20s. It was known to all the professors, but it was not talked about in the New York Times. Now these conquering Bolsheviks in early 1930s and up to the 50s were inwardly probably as swaggering as the German Nazis taking over Paris in 1940. They had to be thinking, we will now fix it so American children will never read fully and freely, as children did in the past. I merely suggest that what the enemy agents pulled off in 1931 was extraordinary. History was changed forever, even if most of the people living at the time didn't notice it, and still don't. Thank you. Overview. Let's Fix Education explores seven of my favorite themes. First, this podcast is a meditation on what I call the K-12 crime scene. So many destructive ideas. Understanding them is the key to fixing them. 2. By doing that, we will have better schools at less cost. 3. Nothing much changes decade to decade. The big questions of the 1930s were the big questions of the 1960s and the 1990s. Any subject we discuss can easily intersect with any other subject. Most people instinctively want traditional education, but the education establishment fills classrooms with progressive gimmicks. The result is that we have a standoff, and that's why you run into the same ideas over and over. 4. The big brains in education keep telling students, don't bother memorizing this or that. You can look it up later. B.B. King, comma the great guitarist, is much smarter. He said, the beautiful thing about learning is nobody can take it away from you. 5. Lennon's ghost wanders through our school system. The hard left thinks big. If they have to kill millions of people to build their perfect society, that's okay. Same goes for dumbing down millions of students. Totalitarians want power. They will do anything to get it. Six, if we are going to survive, we have to take each child to his or her limit. As it is, we are creating millions of subeducated students from K-rate through college. 7. Analyzing education, especially dysfunctional education, is a lot more intellectually interesting than most people suppose. You'll enjoy this. Finally, P.S. My book, Saving K-12, runs parallel to everything discussed on this podcast. I also have an education site, improve-education.org, with 70 articles that complement everything discussed here and I have hundreds of articles on the internet. Enter a topic in Google with my full name, Bruce Dietrich Price, and let Google make suggestions. Thank you for visiting.